Uh, this might be something you would expect a pastor to say, okay, but before I was a pastor, I was just a normal guy, okay? And it's just true that I actually have several texts and several stories from both the Old and the New Testaments that I personally love. Uh, one from the Old Testament is the entire story of Joseph, which is found from Genesis chapter 37 to chapter 50. In fact, it's one of the most detailed accounts of any one individual that we have in Scripture next to, to Jesus. And it's just this epic account filled with all of these amazing takeaways as far as how God acts and interacts and how we can act and react in certain situations that are very difficult. And if uh, you, if you, uh, maybe if you were a 90s kid or you were raising kids during that time. Uh, DreamWorks did a great job with the Prince of Egypt, and they tried to bring the story to life. And if you've never read this story or it's been a long time, I would encourage you to do it. Again, it's just this epic account. And then two of my favorite passages uh, from the New Testament are actually 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 12, and 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. Uh, because I'm convinced that if this was all you had, from the New Testament, and if you applied these things, you would have the life and the relationships that you dreamed of. I mean, it just I'm no exaggeration. But one of my favorite verses is actually a short seven-word statement written by a man who I would argue was second only to Jesus in changing the world for the past 2,000 years. The man who started out a hater, an imprisoner, an executioner of Jesus' followers to becoming not only a Jesus follower, but one who changed the world. And he became a Jesus follower, not because of a teaching or not because of the Bible, because there was no Bible, but because he crossed paths with a man who predicted and pulled off his own death and resurrection. And when you meet a dead man walking months after he was violently tortured and crucified, by Rome, you go ahead and just go with whatever they say. And Saul of Tarsus became the Apostle Paul. And in a letter to Christians in Rome, during a time where that could get you killed, he wrote some of my most favorite words in the New Testament. And he wrote these words, I do not understand what I do. Now, this might seem anticlimactic compared to like epic stories and life-changing verses, but this is one of my most favorite verses as well as what follows because considering the source, what I love about this is it levels the playing field. It levels the playing field for you and for me. It lets me know that even one of the most successful world-changing men who has ever lived looked in the mirror or he rolled up his cloak or rolled up a stone at night and laid his head on it and he wrestled with some of the same, the very same internal questions that you and I wrestle with. And I look back at some of the things that I've said and things that I've done in my life and in my relationships. And, and just to be clear, not in the distant past, okay, even since 2021 started, since April started, things that have caused regret or tension in relationship. And I think, I look in the mirror, I go, what's wrong with me? Why am I the way that I am? And Paul continues, I do not understand what I do for what I want to do. I do not do, but what I hate, I do. He just goes on to say, it's, isn't that, uh, it isn't that I don't know the good that I should do. It's just that too often I don't actually do it. In fact, a lot of times I do the opposite, and it ends up hurting me or hurting others. It puts barriers between myself and God. It's like the young man in his 20s who called me in the middle of the night just a few months ago, and just with raw emotion and brokenness and tears, he asked me, why am I the way 
that I am. So the good news is that if you've ever had moments where you just pause and you reflect on who you are, it's like, why do I do what I do? Or why do I say and do what I don't say and do? Things that I should. Why is it sometimes at work or sometimes at home or in my family or my life I, I do is say things that just work against me? Or they work against the people that I care about. And the good news is Paul gives some insight into this, and he definitely unpacks one aspect of why it is that those things happen. But part, uh, at the core of this, the good news is you're not alone. You're not alone. And, and for those of you that have seemingly had kind of a wrinkle-free life up to this point, and I kind of guess you wouldn't be in church if you had, but, but maybe from an early age, you've just had a pattern of really good decision-making. You have minimal regret in your life. And honestly, there's a part of you that can't quite get what's wrong with everybody else. Okay, Paul's got some words for you as well. To you, he writes, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith who has distributed God. Okay, God, whatever it is that you have, God provided that for you. Okay, you didn't get to pick any of that. So that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, they operate different, they act different, so in Christ we, through though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So in other words, while none of us is perfect, all of us are connected. And if God has chosen to give you greater strength and success when it comes to life and decision-making ability, that's awesome, then the question becomes for you and really for all of us. The question becomes, how do I, with who I am in love and humility, lend my strength to serve others, to help others? So to help all of that with this, uh, help all of us with that, uh, to better understand ourselves and the people around us in our lives. We're going to lean into a special personality profiling tool to help us do that. We've got a special guest with us this morning, Aaron Osbeck. Uh, Aaron is a certified uh, coach, a licensed clinical professional counselor. She's got over 15 years of experience in treating and working with individuals and couples and families, as well as doing coaching uh, with uh, providing life and leadership coaching for individuals and businesses and churches. Uh, she specializes and holds certification in this personality style and profiling tool that we're going to lean into to better understand ourselves, as well as to better see and experience uh, the world through the lives of others. Uh, but uh, before we have her come up, we've got a short video to just, for those of you that aren't really familiar with, the, with what we're going to talk about, we've got a short video to introduce us in a fun way to the nine different types that are going to tee us up for this conversation, the nine different numbers. So let's go ahead and we'll play that video. The only way to shop Target is to go counterclockwise to the store. I don't like when people are hungry. It's going to be lit, and it launches today. It smells like, like a baby elephant in captivity. No. Small talk is my freaking nightmare. I mean, you never know when tennis elbow will strike. Hooray. Manager, is there a manager around here? Manager? And I like Target to tell me where to go. Um, that way you're going against traffic, and it's really the most efficient way to shop. First you hit the drugstore, then you hit the groceries, then you hit the outdoor supplies, and then you hit the fitness and toys. Then you hit the clothing, and then you hit the shoes, and then you hit the magazine racks, and you out. 
That's a nice tip. I just thought it would be fun to make cookies for the neighbors. Not just the new ones. I mean, why should they have all the fun, right? Got a lot of neighbors. I don't like when people are hungry. Yeah, I, I just like to pick up a bunch of extra ones, you know, just to have them on hand. You never know when someone's gonna need a little pick-me-up in your life. Where's Market Vendor? Thanks so much. These rutabagas look wonderful. So many neighbors. Hey, but um, I happen to know Cardi B is about to launch a diaper line. It's gonna be lit and it launches today. They're gonna be like neon. Some of them even have extra padding in the bottom. So your baby has like a little boot. Very fashion forward. Hashtag. Ooh. Okay, this candle smells like, like the way I feel after a really good healing cry. It's perfumed with feeling. These are senseless but beautiful, so I need them. Weed grass killer. Here. I'll put that back. How do I shop at Target? Alone. Small talk is my freaking nightmare. You didn't see me. One in the car, and one in the locker, and one in the backpack, one in the classroom. Good to be prepared. I mean, you never know when tennis elbow will strike. I mean, I don't play tennis, nor does anyone in my family, but it's good to have on hand. Got my dark roast and my mocha. Party target. You know what I haven't done in a minute? Sunday bars. <gasps> Hours of fun. <laughs> Looks like a seven was here. <sighs> what the? Is there a manager? Is there a manager around here? Manager? I have 54 items. I will go to the self-checkout. And you know what? It's worth it. I would rather do that than hand over control to someone in a red shirt and khaki pants. I've got this. Do it myself. Oh gosh, I don't like to come with a plan. I like Target to tell me where to go. Oh. Oh gosh, no, I, I don't believe in board games. It tends to bring out everybody's aggression. Is there a board game that's collaborative? Like where we're all on the same team? Cause that sounds nice, doesn't it? I mean, just the title speaks for itself. You know what, shame on you, Steve Harvey. I like you, but I don't like what you stand for right now. Well, you can welcome Aaron Osbeck. Hi. <laughs> I just think it's funny that you do I told you might not be that great, and I clap for you anyway. So. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Aaron's going to be awesome. So, uh, Aaron, like, just so for people to get a feel for you, uh, like, what, what led you? What led you get into counseling and coaching? Um, well, truthfully, I was on my way to be a, a history teacher, which will make sense when you know that I'm an Enneagram type five. Um, but halfway through college, I changed course, and I went to a really small Bible college where they had everyone majored in Bible, and then you had four minors to choose from. One of them was family counseling, and I thought, well, that sounds good. So I picked that, and, <clears throat> and then uh, I remember sitting in my first counseling class and thinking, oh, this is it. This is what I'm supposed to do. So that led me on my journey of becoming a counselor, and I've been uh, here in Wichita for uh, 17, 18 years counseling. Okay. Uh, well, when you, uh, at some point along the way, 
Enneagram came across your radar. So for those that aren't very familiar with Enneagram, if you if you had like 30 seconds to explain to somebody what the Enneagram is, like what, what would you say? So I would say uh, the Enneagram is a personality system that divides humanity into nine different character structures or personality types. Some people will say it's an ancient system because it draws on a lot of ancient wisdom, philosophy, um, theology, mathematics. Uh, but really, it's different in that it goes beyond just describing behavior to talk about fears, motives, underlying needs, uh, some of the your unconscious aspects of each type or the thing that you don't realize about yourself. Okay. Uh, Was so, that 30 seconds? Did I do okay? Yeah, you did right. really good. Right. So uh, now some people, I got to turn more towards you here. Uh, some people, and I don't think we have any religious people here, but we might, you know, and it looks a little pentagramish. So uh, why don't you like, uh, like to help us understand what is it and what is it not? Yeah, one of my uh, teachers, uh, Chris, he says the first time he saw the Enneagram symbol, he thought it looked like two pentagrams having sex with each other. <laughs> and he thought, what demonic <laughs> kind of symbol is this? And it, it does look really strange. Um, but this symbol is just a bunch of mathematical shapes put together. You've got a circle, a triangle, and a hexad. And then it just lists the personality types going clockwise from one to nine and just places them on that circle. So there's nothing demonic or occult about it. It's, if you study it, you're not going to become suddenly possessed. It's not going to reach out and bite you or anything. Yeah. Unless you put it on the floor and put candles in the middle of it. Maybe. Yeah, you never so, know what will happen. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, it definitely, for some people, I mean, you'd be surprised. Some people are like, I don't know if I can lean into that. But it's kind of like, for those of you that have been here, just... Uh, I, the way I've turned it is just think ancient Myers-Briggs, you know, mm -hmm. it's like it's not attached to a religion, it's just more insight, which part of what I find fascinating is it's so old, but that I think the thing it reaffirms is like from the earliest time, we've just been trying to figure ourselves out and yeah. people gave this thought. Well, there's, so there's, as people can see, there are nine numbers on this uh, and then actually you, you guys can see there's three different colors. There's the white, there's the orange, and the yellow. And so the point of that is to uh, point at, to do what's called triads. So what, why don't you walk us through the numbers okay. and the triads? Yeah, so um, there are nine different personality types, but the theory in the Enneagram is that we have all nine of these in us, but we have one that hits us a little more deeply that really characterizes who we are. So if you guys are reading the book and you think, oh, I see myself in this type or I see myself in that type, that's, that's normal because you, you have access to all nine personality types. Um, but there's one that will characterize you. And then if you take the Enneagram and you zoom out a little bit, what you get are these three centers of intelligence. So Types 8, 9, and 1 are in the body or gut center of intelligence. Types 2, 3, and 4 are in the heart center. And types 5, 6, and 7 are, five, six, and seven are in the head center. And at the workshop, we get into that a little more deeply because you can spend a whole day just talking about the centers of intelligence. But um, that's kind of the idea behind that. It just has to do with how you see the world and how you perceive things. Do you do that through your heart? Do you do that through your head? Or do you do that through your body and through your sensations? So I can start describing the yeah, types. Yeah, right. Okay. Like you said, um, that like that that alone. <laughs> yeah, that alone is a whole day. day. Um, so I'll start with type two. And the way I learned uh, the enneagram, 
I got certified uh, by one of the pioneers in Enneagram theory who wrote a book called The Nine Lenses. So he really talks about how each personality type sees the world differently. And then one of the first books I read um, was on Christianity and the Enneagram, which talked about the nine different fundamental needs of each type. So as I talk about them, I'll try to keep that in mind a little bit. Um, type two, they see the world through the emotions and the needs of other people. They're always aware of what other people are feeling, any possible needs that other people might have, and then they go about trying to meet those needs. Uh, one of my best friends who's a two, she's here this morning as my support person because this is what twos do. When, uh, when we go on a road trip with her, she's the one bringing coffee and snacks for the road. She's sitting in the back seat entertaining our youngest, which is not easy. When we get to the house, she volunteers to sleep on the floor so the kids can have the bed. Um, this is how she moves through life. She's always aware of what are the needs here and how do I meet them. She got back from a road trip yesterday and she said she brought me a souvenir, so I was expecting like a magnet. And she hands me this bag with a t-shirt, a mug, some barrel-aged coffee, three different kinds of some sort of unique Italian sausage. I, and there were other things in there too I don't even remember. But this is, this is what twos are doing. They're working very hard to take care of us and to love us well. Twos um, have a need to be needed. And so what that means is the downside of their personality is sometimes they can give to get or their giving becomes strategic in some way. And so the growth path for twos is really about getting in touch with their own emotions and needs and letting the rest of us meet some of the needs that they have. Okay. Can I say this real quick too? Yeah. Um, the Enneagram's really different uh, than other personality systems in that it says every type has an upside and a downside to it. And so it gives you a picture of what you're like when you're at your best, but also what you're like when you're at your worst. And it's also really different because, you know, unlike some other personality profiles that just sort of say, well, you're an INFP or we did the colors thing at work and then you'd hang a green dot on your cubicle and say, well, I'm a green. And, and those are useful, but I always felt like it left you with uh, this sense of good luck with that and mostly good luck to the other people in your life who have to live with you. Um, and so the Enneagram's really different in that it says we don't have to stay stuck in who we are. We're capable of developing, maturing, uh, and growing beyond that. And um, so some people say the Enneagram doesn't put you in a box. It shows you the box you're already in and how to get out of it. So when I talk about the different types, you might hear me refer to the best or the worst or the upside or the downside. That's kind of what I'm referring to. And I think that's one of the things that I so appreciated. So I, I'd heard of the Enneagram before and had been introduced to it a, a while back, but then it was about uh, just about two years ago, two and a half, I was doing one of my graduate classes and went up to, was up in Chicago for that. And we spent an entire day and a half just on the Enneagram. And, and uh, it was just so helpful. Uh, I think part of it, of identifying like, okay, here's how, as your type, you operate if you're in a good place, like you're feeling mentally healthy, mentally strong, secure in yourself, versus then if you operate out of your insecurity and your weakness. And that, it was just so valuable because it gives you the chance to kind of check yourself. It isn't just like, oh, I'm just a three. And it's like, no, 
I can tell I'm coming out of this place. So I need to take a step back and figure out, okay, how, how do I address this? So. Yeah. Yeah. The Enneagram was never meant to, to be used to um, excuse bad behavior okay. ever. So my favorite one, three. Oh yeah. Type three. <laughs> Threes, um, sometimes they're called the achiever or the successful one. Sometimes you'll hear them called the performer or the chameleon. Uh, threes see the world through what is needed in order to be successful. And they intuitively know then how to shape or shift themselves into that ideal image of success. So the underlying need for a three is to be successful or at least to be seen as successful. Um, why don't you talk about what threes are like on a road trip? Oh, man. So, uh, yeah, so I'm, so I'm a three which is both good and very disturbing at the same time. But so we raised four boys. And so it was funny, the joke in our marriage, actually, uh, I love planning trips. Can we were camping family growing up. And so I actually love planning and get all the supplies. Uh, I will say one joke in our marriage was for my wife, uh, who I think is a six, but we'll find out. But for her, for me, the, for her, the vacation began when we got in the vehicle to head to wherever we were going. <laughs> For me, it began when we got there. <laughs> like just yeah. the drive in between was, we had to tolerate. But then when, once we were there, it was like, okay. how do we make this as fun and adventurous and scary as possible? I mean, my youngest was like five and I'm handing them all hatchets. All right, go get the firewood, you know? And so, mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, so I could be impatient on getting there, but even when we stopped or whatever we did, just tried to make it fun. Mm -hmm. Even wanting to get there fast, we'd stop at McDonald's and I'd tell the boys, all right, First, done, first one done eating gets, a, gets five bucks. It's <laughs> just because I want to get back on the road and get there. Uh -huh. So, Yeah, threes are going to be in a hurry to get where they're going. Um, they're, they're very efficient, very practical. Um, they make good leaders. Probably most of the CEOs in, in America, anyway, are threes because they know how to pick up on what the expectations of the group are. Um, the growth path for threes is learning to slow down that they are human beings, not human doings, and to learn to be really authentic with who they are. Because what threes do sometimes as they're shaping and shifting themselves into an image of success is that they become like a chameleon, which is where they get that name. They lose touch with who they really are because they start to act or to play a role of success. And they're very convincing in those spaces. They convince themselves. And so sometimes they'll airbrush their image. Image is very important to threes. Uh, or they'll reframe a failure into the best thing that ever happened to them. Um, so they need to slow down and then become just one, one three, I heard put it, uh, relentlessly transparent uh, with themselves. Yeah, because I, I will say, like, for me as a three, like, the older that I've gotten, there, there comes a time where you have difficulty drilling down, like, okay, who am I really? Like, if I'm really left in my own devices and in my 50-ish years of life, seeing positions I got myself into that were awesome and people, like, thought were awesome, but then when I was in it, I was like, I don't think I belong here at all, and I got myself into it. So, yeah, so I affirm all the weaknesses. So, right. Okay, so, type four. Sometimes fours are called the romantic or the tragic romantic or the creative one. Sometimes uh, with compassion, we maybe refer to fours as the divas of the Enneagram. Fours have an underlying need to be unique or special in some way. They want to do something extraordinary and meaningful. Um, 
foresee the world through their own internal experience of emotion and beauty and intensity and depth. And sometimes they're more comfortable with the dark or difficult half of the emotional world. So some people say about fours that they have to be sad to be happy. They'll have kind of a melancholy about them. They're also uh, not afraid of some of the things that scare the rest of us. Like they're uh, kind of attracted to death or dying or tragedy. So fours on a road trip are probably going to the Holocaust Museum or the 9-11 Memorial. Um, or, you know, fours are also very relational, and so they're going to be concerned about connecting deeply with the person that they're traveling with. The growth path for fours is about learning to balance their internal emotional life, not to have to make an emotion bigger than it is and not to repress it either. Yeah. And so all those three are coming out of the, the heart or the feeling triad. Yes. So. And all three of those are concerned about image. So twos want to create an image of being likable. They know how to put on a happy face. They know how to love us in the ways that we want to be loved, and we like them for it. Threes want to create an image of being successful, and they know how to create and build that image. And fours want to create an image of being unique and special. And you'll, they have a lot of different ways that they do this. Mm -hmm. And it was fun as we even worked together, even just preparing for this morning, let alone the workshop I'll be talking about. And I gave her feedback like on the aside, slides who somebody else created. And I'm like, okay, these are all for old people. We got to get some Bieber in there and some others. Like, to, like let's, let's type them. Let's make this fun. So, uh -huh. all right. Now, type five. Type five. This is uh, my Enneagram type. And fives are sometimes called uh, the observer, the investigator. They have a need, their underlying need is to perceive and to understand. They want to get to the bottom of everything that's going on in the universe. So they see the world through history and context and details. Uh, fives are the most reserved and withdrawn of all of the types. So fives are taking a road trip by themselves. Um, or I remember distinctly when we were first married, Andy suggested that we stay at a bed and breakfast on vacation. And I told him, I cannot imagine anything more miserable than having to get up in the morning and chit-chat with strangers over juice and bagels on my vacation. Absolutely not. Um, it I get <laughs> that it. shudder was real. It makes me shudder just thinking about it. Um, so fives sometimes, they see the world through scarcity. They think they're not going to have what they need to survive, so they can get kind of stingy with anything that is a resource for them. The growth path for fives is learning to look at the world for, through a place of abundance, that they're going to have their needs met, which allows them to move out into the world with some generosity. Um, we're laughing because threes are probably the most conscious, image conscious type on the Enneagram, and fives are probably the least image conscious type on the Enneagram. So someone made these slides for me like a week and a half ago, and Chad was like, these are for old people. We need to, like, <laughs> enhance the image, basically. And I was like, yeah, I don't think half of them are accurate, and so we need to make them accurate and uh, <laughs> reflective of actual type. So I said, our, our personalities are showing even in the way that we're talking about the workshop. But, you know, I haven't had a chance to get with the guy who made them for me and say, hey, can you change some of this for me? So... So, no, I will say, and so I'll confess, an umbrella of grace, okay, a Big Bang was kind of my, what do you call that thing, my, my bad thing, a show that I watched. So I see Sheldon on there, 
And like, I immediately think, like one of my favorite lines is one of the characters gives him a Christmas gift and he's like all upset. Like, you think you've given me a gift, but you've given me an obligation because yes, now so I have true. to give you something back that is of equal value. Uh-huh. So. It's so true. Sheldon's a great five. All right. Type six. Type six. Six is to see the world through all of the danger and the threat that exists in the world. And their brains are working overtime, trying to prepare themselves and the rest of us for whatever they might encounter. So sixes are often called threat forecasters because they're forecasting all of the threats that exist out there. So we have a running joke in my family because uh, I have four younger brothers and my mom is a six. And one of my brothers got the opportunity to go to Disney a couple years ago. And so he sends his text out to our family group text thread. I get to go to Disney this week. I'm so excited. And one by one, we all respond, that's great. Have fun. Enjoy yourself. You've worked hard for this. And then my mom sends a text and says, Nathan, be careful. 270 people just got the norovirus at Disney. (laughs) And so, you know, no one says anything for a while. And she comes back on and says, I know, I know, I'm being a six right now. (laughs) Uh, And this is true. So six's underlying need is a need for security. And they're always looking for someone or something that they can put their faith in that will give them a sense of security. When they find that thing, they become very loyal to it. So sometimes sixes are called the loyalist or the skeptic or the trooper. Um, they will sometimes go down with the ship long after they should have gotten off because they are so loyal to people or institutions or ideologies that provide them with a sense of security. Sixes bring a lot of gifts into the world. They're very group-oriented. They're great problem solvers because they are great threat forecasters. Uh, But the growth path for sixes is learning to have faith, to find their security in God, and be able to trust themselves and other people. I, uh, I, I, I laugh because I said I, I, think, I think my wife, Shauna, is a, a six. Uh, and one of my best, funniest memories of her is our kids were growing up, and they were all in the neighborhood somewhere with friends or whatever. And Shauna hears, like, in, like a, a, in the distance, like at least two miles away, hears sirens. And she looks at me, she says, do you think one of the kids are hurt? <laughs> like, what are you, like, yeah. why did you find so? They're having fun. Leave them Uh (laughs) alone. All right, type seven. Type seven. So sevens are sometimes called the enthusiast or the epicurean or the adventurer. Sevens are the fun, lighthearted type that throw all the parties for us. Um, Sevens on a road trip, you know, they're all about the adventure and the fun. Like if one roller coaster is good, let's ride it a hundred times. You know, why not scuba dive and skydive in the same trip? Uh, they, whatever brings them pleasure, they want more of it. Sevens are probably the fastest thinkers among us. They're always seeing options and connections. And they use this ability to plan out what's more fun, what's more pleasure, and how can I create that for myself and the whole world around me. Sevens have a need to avoid pain. And so a lot of times they're using these options and connections to avoid feeling pain for themselves. So if fours are more comfortable with the darker half of the emotional world, sevens are more comfortable with the lighter half, they'll paint everything pretty and put a positive spin on it. The growth path for sevens is learning to reckon with the fact that it's really fear that's driving them to be so cheerful and to start to get in touch with their own suffering, which is not pleasant for any of us, 
but for sevens, it's particularly difficult. We've been, if you've been around, we've been promoting the book, and there's a couple left on the way out, and if, if, if they run out, I'll, I've got my copy you can take a picture of, order it on, on Amazon, but he, the author talks about his seven friend. I love the line. He said, anything worth doing is worth overdoing. That's right. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, sevens can be very prone to addiction, but, but it's not even that. It's, they can get high on life, yeah. just yeah. life itself. Yeah. yeah. So type eight. Type eight, sometimes called the boss or the challenger or the contrarian, eight's underlying need is a need to be against or to be in control. So eights on a road trip are not afraid to lay on the horn or let a foul word or a finger fly at someone that's cut them off. They express their anger directly and aggressively. I, um, eight, well, eights have a big physical presence about, I don't mean that they're big people, but they take up a lot of space in a room. They carry a lot of strength and a lot of energy with them. Threes and eights are probably the most active people on the Enneagram, but they're not afraid to test you. I, I had a new client two weeks ago, and the way he walked into my office made me think, I wonder if he's an eight. And then he sits on the edge of the couch and he looks at me, he's an older gentleman, he says, I've been to 20 therapists before you, do you want to know why? <laughs> I said, okay, <laughs> tell me why. And he said, because none of them agreed with me. <laughs> and so I laughed, which is what I tend to do when people show me their ego, and I, I said, well, this session's going to be a real bummer for you, too. <laughs> and then he laughed, and he kind of relaxed, not a lot, but a little, sat back for a minute, and I knew what he's doing. You know, eights are kind of always testing the ice between them and another person to see if it's going to hold. Can you handle their strength? Can you handle their power? And... Some eights won't trust you until they've had a good conflict with you. Uh, but eights make great leaders because they lead from their gut. They're in that body center. They see the big picture, and they know how to get all of us where we need to go, and they can get the job done. You know, I, that Target video, the eight cracks me up. She's like, no, no way would I want someone in a red shirt and khaki pants telling me what to do. And, and eights can be like that. So their growth path is learning to be vulnerable to show us the, the more innocent, vulnerable part of who they are that all that vibrato is covering up. Uh, my, uh, one of my grandfathers, the one I was probably closest to, was an eight, and I love that man. And Shauna was pregnant, my wife was pregnant with our first child, and we were actually here in Wichita for a visit, my family, my grandparents were there, grandpa was there. And we were talking about some of the names that we were thinking of, and I think we were thinking like Jenica or something, if it was a girl something that was not normal in 1991. <laughs> and, uh, and my grandfather, who was an eight, he goes, well, don't name your kid something silly or something like that. It's Shauna. I just watched her, and she goes, well, it's my baby. I'll name it what I want to. <laughs> and everybody at the Good table just raised themselves like, what's going to happen? <laughs> Nobody talks to grandpa uh -huh. like that. And then he just barrel laughed, and they were like best friends for the rest of his life. It was just, yeah. Got to stand up to them. Mm -hmm. All right, type nine. Nine, sometimes called the negotiator, the peacemaker, the harmonizer. Nines are generally easygoing, laid back, kind of accepting non judgmental people to be around. Nines on a road trip, they're the people that you say, Where do you want to stop and eat? And they're like, I don't care. Where do you want to eat? 
I can also tell you from experience, I'm married to a nine, they will not be in a hurry to get where they're going. <laughs> they will not be in a hurry to get out the door. They will not be efficient at packing or packing up the car. Um, and so for nines, they just learned early not to rock the boat, don't make waves, don't create conflict. In fact, the underlying need for a nine is to avoid and to avoid conflict especially. Nines are really committed to their internal sense of peace and their external sense of peace. And so they're really slow to do anything that's going to challenge that. That has a lot of strengths to it, but of course the downside is that sometimes nines don't have difficult conversations when they need to, or they don't confront things that need to be confronted. Um, there was a nine on an uh, Enneagram panel who wanted to break up with his girlfriend did not want to have the conversation with her that would be uncomfortable and probably have conflict, so he moved to another city. <laughs> and then sent her a message, I don't think this is going to work because we're too far apart now. And he did this two or three times, which I think goes to show you what lengths nines will go to to avoid that conflict. Um, so nines, uh, one of the good things about them is they can see all sides of an issue. They can bring people together. This is their gift of peacemaking. Um, but they can lose touch then with their own values, with their own needs. And so the growth path for a nine is really about waking up to who they are, what their values and what their needs are, and then being able to take action when action is needed. Okay. And then type one? Ones are sometimes called the perfectionist or the good one. My favorite name for them is probably the reformer. One, see the world through everything that's imperfect and needs improvement. They can't help it. They walk into a room and they notice what's wrong here. And then they go about trying to make it better and improve it in some way. So the result of this is that ones have a very strong internal critic that they're really hard on themselves. They can also be hard sometimes on other people or on the world around them. Their underlying need is a need to be perfect, and so they're always working so hard to be good people. My example of ones on a road trip is a true story about someone in my family who went on vacation, stayed in a hotel. When he left, he took the complimentary uh, shampoo and conditioner with him. And then when he got in the car and drove away, he started to, his, his inner critic got started. He started to question, Was that, is that stealing? Is this right that I took this? And it would not give up to the point where on the way back home, he stopped back by this hotel, walked up to the front desk, and returned that shampoo and conditioner. I think maybe it was stealing for me to take this, and I want to give it back. And so for one, sometimes they can create such high standards for themselves that sometimes the rest of us even think, well, that's a little ridiculous, or, you know, I know you have to be ethical, but that ethical, um, but ones are just working really, really hard to make sure that they're doing things the right way and that they're being the right kind of people. They're very conscientious. They're very fair-minded. Um, types 8, 9, and 1 are all very justice-oriented. They bring justice into the world in three different ways. And the growth path for ones is about learning to have compassion for themselves with all of their imperfections and really accept themselves and other people the way that they are. Awesome. Well, I'm watching the time. I had a couple more questions, but I think we can get to this because that gets us all through and that got us to the triads. Uh, 
I, I will say as a side, uh, you talked about um, the uh, which number was eight. Uh, it's not going to be organized in the packing and nine. all of that. Nine, mm -hmm. nine. And, <laughs> and so as, as a three, as a performer, we didn't have the numbers, but Shauna knew one of the ways she could get me to do something because I want to be successful is she'd be like, I don't think you can get all that in the van. <laughs> I don't see how you're going to do it. Challenge accepted. All right. And then I was like, look, look, take a picture of me with this uh, yes, successful yes. packed van. Look at me. Well, hopefully through listening to this, as you guys kind of hear and think about yourselves, think about the person sitting next to you, saw some people laughing, a little few elbows, things being thrown, things like that. Uh, you, can, you can get a sense of how valuable, if you could really dig into this, how this could be for you personally in uh, the relationships around you, the people that you're with, for those of you that are raising small humans, like better understanding them and how to operate out of that. Uh, because obviously in your practice, you've, you've seen this play out in, in helping people better, just get to a better place because mm -hmm. they understand themselves, the people they're in relationship with. Uh, as, as I shared for me, it just, it was so huge to be able to really dig into it and then to come home and honestly, I, I wish I would have had it when we were first starting a family or just starting our relationship to uh, better understand it because there were things with each other. I think one of the values of doing something like, like this is it removes the accusatory or judgment aspect of it, especially as you're with somebody in a relationship that's very different from you because you, you see it from your perspective and like as a three, because I want encouragement or whatever for my, again, I think sixth wife, it came across as very needy. I'm like, you're right. I, I was needy. Like I needed those words of encouragement. I needed to know I was doing a good job and whatever mm -hmm. it is. And so when you get this, then it's less like seeing it as a defect. It's more the wiring. So uh, the way I want to wrap us up uh, this morning, I do want to give you a chance, like if you were to, to, to mark it. Uh, so in just less than two weeks, so not next week and the weekend after, on that Saturday, we're having a workshop. It's a full-day workshop from 9 to 5. We'll have an hour and 15-minute lunch. Uh, Aaron's going to be leading and facilitating that. I give you a chance to, like, say, why would it be worth for them to take an entire Saturday to come and... Well, um, I would just say, if you want more connection in your life, if you want more intimacy, if you want to understand why you do something with one kid and it does not work with the other, if you want to understand more about the things about yourself that trip you up and get you stuck in crazy cycles or why you end up in the same conflict with your spouse over and over again, uh, then the Enneagram is for you. And it's well worth taking a day and spending that time becoming more familiar with it. So to help facilitate that, uh, if you are already connected to New Life and we've got your contact information while you were sitting here uh, or while you're listening online, you uh, received a text and an email. <laughs> okay, so the text and the email is such a, a three. Yay! So, uh, so the. Uh, I'm impressed, though. That's all right, good. thank you, thank That's you. Good. That's uh, good. So, uh, that will just make it easy for you to click on the event and to go and get the information that you need and to go ahead and register for the event. I, I, if I remember right, it's like $30 a person, $25 for couples, or, or $50 for couples, something like that. Uh, sorry, singles. I know that seems rude, but we're just pulling from the same household. We're trying to be sensitive to that. So please do that. We're going to do our best to stream that. So if you can, cannot come in person, we will be working to stream this live 
online. So you can also go ahead and register, but let us know that you're just going to join us online. Uh, but now, just so you got a heads up, there, there, there won't be childcare. So help, if you've got kids, arrange that. If it is a financial issue for you, please come to me. We will help subsidize the cost of that. We don't want money to be a reason why you're not able to come and participate. Also, uh, we will have an hour and 15-minute lunch break, and there'll be other breaks during the time. But uh, we, you can brown bag it and bring your lunch, or that gives you plenty of time within a two-mile radius of this building or all kinds of uh, healthy and unhealthy places to grab some food. And then we'll come back. It's just going to be a great day. And again, I, I've already spent an entire day doing this. I'm looking forward to having another day because it's just so valuable, okay? So on your way out, Aaron, I will have Aaron go. We've got a table there, and, and uh, we've got a few books left. They're 15 bucks. You can grab a book. There's one more. If you, they run out, uh, I've got a copy. You can take a picture of it and order off of Amazon, audiobook, or the hard copy. And there's two sheets there. There's one where you can go ahead and sign up. If we don't got, have your contact info, sign up that you're interested in the event. There's a second set of sheets for those of you that would be interested in doing just a six-week small group. Okay, if you're already existing small group, it'd be five. If, you, if you're going to do it for the first time, that way it gives you one, in, you know, get to know each other and have food and have fun and then jump in. We've got a, we've got a study guide that you can get with some other individuals and couples and go through this together. Okay? So I think I covered anything. Did I, did I miss anything? I think so. All right, very good. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and I'll let you go head over to the table. Let's thank Aaron for coming this morning. So looking forward to this event. So let me pray and then you guys will be dismissed. You can feel free to sign up. Feel free to hang out and connect with other people as well. Let's pray. Father, you are just so great. I thank you for something like this that we can lean into and not be afraid of it so that we can do what Paul talks about, about being transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so, Father, I, I pray that for everyone that's listening to me right now, that if there's any barriers, that you would remove them. And God, uh, pray your blessing on that day. Just pray ahead of that day and that you might use this as an opportunity to do something, uh, help make a change in us or help us to, to embrace something that we've needed to do for a long, long time. And Father, we just thank you for the love that you have for us and what you've provided for us to be able to, to do this. So we just thank you for all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.